going on? Paul and Adam in studio, talking art of living. What's going on, my man? Yeah, life is going on. You look a little, a little sunburnt. Yeah, I spent a lot of time on a boat yesterday. <laughs> Such a Louisiana thing. I spent a lot of time on a boat. Which is unusual for me. I'm not a, a boater normally. Now, probably a year ago, I don't have really good memory, but I'm assuming probably a year ago this came up again. Uh, this came up, and now here it is again, a year later. Mm-hmm. You were on a boat mm-hmm. for a very long time, and <laughs> there's this unique tradition that was started here where um, on the Feast of the Assumption of Our Lady, uh, which, you know, you know, South Louisiana, Louisiana, our faith is dedicated to Our Lady, the Acadians, mm-hmm. you know, dedicated this land to Our Lady, the Blessed Mother, and so on the feast, Father Michael Champon started a tradition where they float down the river in boats. <laughs> with the Eucharist, With yeah. Eucharistic adoration. Yeah, it's neat. It's the fifth annual one. The first was to commemorate the 250th anniversary of Cajuns arriving to this area. Wow. On that same waterway, the Bayou Teche. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up in St. Martinville and started the first Cajun church there, St. Martin de Tours, which is still there. That's the first one. Yeah. 250 years. Yeah, that's crazy. So the boat procession, Jesus makes that trip again every year from such a um, wow tradition and history of faith. Like people who came and believed, right? Yeah, that's why they came here. And faith was, you know, the most important thing for them. They started churches and carried the faith on all the way from France. Yeah, and well, these people left France to be able to. Have freedom. Have freedom of faith in Canada. Then in Canada, they got kicked they out. They were threatened. Yeah, because they're Cajun. They're crazy. Of their faith, <laughs> and so they ended up in Louisiana. Yes, and here and, we are. And here, here I am. Here you are. Right. Honestly, like we would not be here, Catholic and people of faith. But if it wasn't only for them. in Louisiana, we do things differently. A little bit crazy. <laughs> Who's going to float down the bayou with in, Jesus on a pontoon boat? Yeah, with Jesus, a procession. And uh, now last year it was down the Vermilion River, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the 100th anniversary of the diocese, so we wanted to end up at the cathedral. And to do that, it was a different river. But now it's back to the Tesh. Now those rivers all connect. That's what people need to know. All the rivers here, all the bayous end up connecting somewhere, floating down and connecting to another, mm-hmm. you know, river and then connecting to another and then, you know, connecting to a bigger one, the Atchafalaya or the Mississippi, and then dumping That's into... Right. The Gulf. Dumping into it. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And it's neat because the occasion is starting to draw people from all over. And so if you're listening and you're like in Arizona and you might say, oh, that's something that sounds cool, but I won't go to it. I want to challenge you on that. Oh, yeah. Because in my boat this year was a, a pretty awesome youth group from California. Really? Even further than Arizona. Wait, they came down? Or they, they came, just happened to be here? No, they came for this crazy Eucharistic boat procession they heard about. And it was about uh, 30 of them, you know. So we had the girls in our boat, and then the boys were in a different boat. And uh, it was wonderful because, you know, their experience, like I was talking to one girl. I was like, this is called humidity. You you feel that nasty thing in the air where it's, like, really hot. It's It's literally the hottest time of year (laughs) to have a procession. Like like someone took a wet blanket and just covered you in it. And you know what she said? What? I like it. Yay. I said, what? I could feel the air. (laughs) She said, well, it's not like this back home. And it's so green here. And I assume that's the same thing. And I was like, yeah. you're right. It's very brown out there, but 
So her big thing was she couldn't get over how green. It's lush. Right. It really is. So it gave, uh, gave me a new perspective. When I lived out in Arizona, that's the thing I missed the most was the green. Like just mm-hmm. literally seeing just green, luscious plants and trees and grass. Now yeah, around August, you get tired of cutting them, you know, oh, yeah. cutting the grass and dealing with all that. Uh, but the Feast of the Assumption falls on literally like the hottest season of the year. In Louisiana. In Louisiana in yeah. August. Um, but anyway, it's one of the coolest traditions. It's so amazing. And I love the history of the Acadians, how they came here, and people forget about that. Like, mm-hmm. literally, people risked their lives to carry the faith and to start churches. And, and a lot of them didn't make it. A lot of them didn't make it. Yeah. They, they, they hopped on the boat, and they died along the way. They got really lucky. Like, they got exiled from, you know, Canada, which mm-hmm. is freezing up there, right? Yeah. And they come down, like, to where no one is in South Louisiana, where it's hot and mosquitoes. People probably died from you know, yellow mm-hmm. fever and whatnot. And they ended up like settling and landing in a place they didn't know, but it's, it's fertile land. Like you could mm-hmm. grow anything here. And so it was like in the midst of adversity, in the midst of like not knowing what was next, they, they ended up almost like in a promised land, like in the old Testament. It's like ended up in a place where literally they could plant, and things would grow year-round, right? Yeah. Uh, crops and, you know, all sorts of stuff. And that's the beauty of being down here is that uh, you can you can survive. You can. If you're a planter, this is the place to be. Or a hunter. I mean, yeah. we have lots a of A fisher. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know people who fish for a living. It's just kind of cool that still preserved here is, is sort of this, you know, this this underlying current, you know, as we're talking about rivers, that, that God can provide. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than the means of, of like just money, right? Like living down the coast, like, like people fish for a living and eat those fish and sell those fish, you know, crab or crawfish or, you know, hunt. It, it's just kind of cool that that's still kind of a part of the culture here. Yeah, it is very cool. And I think it's one of the reasons other things are also true, like our, our love of family and prioritizing that. I don't think it's a coincidence that in a place where a lot of people live off the land compared to other places, you also have a strong family bond because they all go hand in hand, right? Like you need a family to go out and get the crawfish. Right. Right. Or a family goes hunting together or whatever. And so I think a lot of our values are so connected um, because we're connected to the land. We have strong family identity and faith identity, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, I've I've never hunted. I'll I'll just say that out loud. People are going to write letters. No, they won't. I, I should take you. You should. Would you come? Yeah, I'd come. Okay, great. We're going to do that. What Let's are we going to put that hunt? in the books? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's going to happen. I've killed a snake with a lawnmower once. Ooh. And another one with a shovel. You're going to get letters. Yeah, I had to. I mean, look, you're not getting my kids, little snake, you know? Hide your kids. I chose a big snake. Hide your wife. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's about it. So the feast of the assumption, I got a question for you. Oh, uh, gosh. So the assumption is Mary assumed into heaven. That's body, what you assume, yes. Full body, right? Uh, she was sinless. Uh, and for those who don't, who don't know that, you can read about it, understand it, but we're all going to be assumed body and soul at the end of the time, right? Like, mm-hmm. So we believe that we're going to go into heaven um, or whatever. You know, Our bodies will unite um, with our souls. Okay, so uh, if you could assume out of any moment, where would you assume? Like just float out of? Like, like just... Like anything, like I know what it is for me. Like if I could just float out of. Well, why don't you start so I can get an idea what you're talking about? <laughs> a long meeting. Oh yeah. 
just I would just float out. Like, how cool would that be? Just assume <laughs> out. <laughs> well, maybe you should pray for that daily. Like, Lord, take me when it's a long meeting. Just, just, just take me. Yeah. Like, when, when would you want? <laughs> when would you want to be assumed out? You know, my wife has been very generous with this, but like, I hate shopping. So I really don't do it. Like grocery shopping? Anything. If I'm in a, a store or like retail environment you go crazy. for more than 10 minutes, I get ill. Like my stomach hurts. I'm, it's time for me to get out of here, you know? So if I ever had to go, my wife goes on like these three-hour monster mm-hmm. shopping trips because we have so many mouths to feed, and so she's got to make the rounds. It's a getaway for her too, That's true. by the way. But don't, God bless don't let her. her fool you. So if I had to make that three-hour trip, I would say, Lord, just take me now. <laughs> it's <laughs> been a good life. <laughs> right on out of the grocery store. Yes. Yes. And it, it, for me, it's like decisions like that. I'm, de- I'm a decisive person with like directional decisions. Like where do we want things to go? You know, where do I want my life to go, this mission to go, whatever. But if it's between this cereal and that cereal, and I have to make 100 of those decisions, forget it. Right. I'm done. All right, speaking of the assumption, August, it's back to school. Like, people all around uh, are getting back to school. Now, I know there's, like, you know, maybe the kids in California didn't start yet. They're probably going to start in a few weeks, which is why they they were able to come. We're starting school. Some people started last week or the week before. But it is the season of starting school back. Now, we talked about you guys kind of don't have that season in your home. uh, But you're mainly kind of a minority, not a ton of people you know, overall, statistically, homeschool. So a mm-hmm. lot of people were back to school. Yeah. It's we, crazy. Yeah, we have a, definitely a shift in our schedule for, like, fall school or, like, school beginning. Or new grade beginning is really how we phrase it. Like, you're right. going to sixth grade, you're whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I talked to a lot of people, and what they say is, you know, we're kind of excited for back to school, get into a little bit of a rhythm, mm-hmm. you know, back to more of a schedule. Yes. But then... Uh, a few weeks into it, people were like, man, I wish it was summer because <laughs> the pace of the rhythm and the schedule it's is exhausting. just way too much, yeah. you know, and it'd be back in school and kids activities. And, you know, what's the balance there? Like, Oof. because it's, you know, I know this is a hot topic, but I'm not sure that we always have the balance of uh, how fast our pace is how many things that we're doing and in our schedule are we carving out time for the right things so that later on in life we don't regret what we missed because we were so busy right yeah and this happens i mean we do we can regret losing time which is really the most precious thing we have yeah now obviously our family is more precious than time but as far as a resource that we can either use and invest correctly or squander and regret mm-hmm. time is like it absolutely more than money more than a home um so you bring up a very important thing and i think all of us have this little thing in us that we're worried that we're wasting our time or that we'll regret the decisions we made saying oh we could have spent more time with our family more time in prayer more time on things that mattered so that's a, it's a very important topic yeah yeah and it's also the thing that a lot of people including myself at times are afraid to give up on in a sense of we don't want our kids to go without certain things or activities or our family. And so we we give up that time for the sake of, you know, the things, right? All mm-hmm. the things that we're, we're doing. Uh, and not that they're bad things, right? Uh, but oftentimes when I'm talking to people, it's like, man, we're so out of balance. Like we just got so much going on. And, and I think to myself, you know, there are, you have some control over that, right? Mm-hmm. I get like, 
you don't have control over school schedule or certain things that happen and certain things you got to commit to and be to. But you do have control over some things in your schedule. And those are the things we need to take take ownership of, right? Usually at the beginning of the year, I set goals and objectives. We've talked about that. You do it as well. And uh, But here's the thing about goals and objectives is that if you don't look back on them, then you, you don't track yeah. where you are on them. So yeah. every now and then, I'll look back on them and I'll read and be like, okay, where am I with these things? And I was, I was reading them just recently as back to school and kind of, you know, entering to new schedule and I was like oh yeah I might need to remember those or I haven't gotten to that or I haven't done well on that or wow actually we did that it was a goal and I usually set family goals and part of those family goals is what I want our family to do or accomplish or be like this year right Mm -hmm. and more importantly me like looking in the mirror what do I want as a husband father to do better at to to make changes in or to make priority, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking back on those and I'm like, oh, okay, I haven't gotten to some. Uh, I've ignored some. I've done bad at some and I've done good at some. But it all comes back to the balance of time, right? Am I willing to s- sacrifice other things to make sure that time is taken advantage of with our family? And I think we're more willing to sacrifice if we do what, we, what you just said. If we have a vision of where we want to go, and the goals we've identified, we know how important they are because they will accomplish what we want to accomplish. We're more likely, kids included, to deny certain things or say or or make the decision no, which is a hard decision, especially for a child and an adult. But especially for a child, I think we do our kids a great service if we help them to see what they want to get out of the year. Right. To help them say no when things will interfere with that. Yeah. No. Absolutely. We talk about this in our lead professionals group when we do like corporate events and retreats and speaking and when we help you know corporations and businesses set goals and objectives so one of the things we call is traction you know tracking what you said you were going to do how do you track that well if you write it down and you forget it you're not tracking right but mm-hmm. to go back and and see like how am i doing with the things i said i was going to do and what are the benchmarks of moving forward right so you're not going to accomplish it all in one day or even one month but what are the small steps that are moving you forward? So to go back and track where you are in those things, right? Mm-hmm. So if we don't do that, then we just, it's like setting New Year's resolutions. You know, mm-hmm. we just kind of say, oh, I want to lose weight or I want to work out or I want to be nice this year. And then we forget about them. I mean, it's human nature, yeah, right? But to, to not only write them down, but to track and to, and to see where we are, like that helps, you know, and sometimes it hurts to see where we are, you know, like, one of my goals is to have more fun. I look back and I'm like, I haven't having been fun? having more fun this year. Like, <laughs> But it was a good reminder to me to be like, yeah, I can track some, but not enough. And I need to go back and I need to move forward in that one. Yeah. You know, but if I don't look back, then I can't look forward. Like I can't move forward, right? Yeah. I think this is so important for a family of faith when you have education in your family, your kids are going to school, because this creates a dynamic that God intends, which is, you are the primary educators of your kids. And the idea, you know, the Lord is not calling you to send your kids to be educated somewhere else with different values, different ideas, and then you just get them back. Like you drop them off, pick them up. And and so I think a lot of us, well, what is my role as a parent? And to me, this is the main role. Your main right. role is to help your children see that there's a bigger picture to life and to pass on the values you have 
and priorities you have and help them to approach their school life with those same values and priorities and experience it with a purpose and a meaning, not just res- like a passivity, I'm just going to go with the flow, right. but that they show up to school with the same purpose in mind that you go to work. Yeah, absolutely. And really even teaching your kids how to set those goals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about that at home. It's like, what are your goals for the year? You know, what are your, you know, academic goals? What are your social goals, activities? It, it you know, it's good to think about. Like, you, there's there's purpose, right? Like, for you doing what you're doing. You don't just go to school to make a grade. Like, that grade's, like, moving you somewhere. Where do you want it to move you, right? Where mm-hmm. do you want to go? You don't just have friends because you're bored. Like, what type? friends so those friends moving you in a direction moving you to the place you want to go like it all serves um a purpose right Mm -hmm. and uh you know one of the things that you know i realize is that you know as a as a parent that you know i have certain obligation and say so in the pace of our our world uh, my little ecosystem right at home and, uh, you know, we're busy. We have older kids are all over and driving. And then we have a couple younger and, you know, we'll go over the week, you know, and I'll be like, okay, yeah, obviously there's things that I can't dictate. I can't dictate when practices are, or, you know, when certain projects or tests are, or when games are, you know, but within that schedule, I can dictate, okay, everybody on this night, we're all going to be home mm-hmm. and we're all going to have dinner together. Right. Uh, on this morning, we're doing something. On this day, we're all going to mass together. So put that all in your calendar. That's what we're doing, right? So you can dictate those moments to say, we're all going to do this and we're all going to be here. And and you're, you're kind of like help to carve out that time. If not, like if you're not intentional about the time, the time gets swallowed up by other things. Yeah. That's just the nature of time, right? It's not necessarily bad things. Like I said, it's just not intentional. It could get carved up by just laying around. It could get carved up by, like, somebody calls. It can get carved up by you get asked to do something. It gets carved up by, you know, one of your kids gets, you know, invited somewhere. But if you say, here's kind of where we're carving out time right now or this week or this month, then you just you you go for it. You stick to it. You go for it. I like that. Yeah. But even for you, like with with all your kids at home, if you're not intentional about your time, time can just get lost. Oh, yeah. Right? Like kids could just run around for hours and, (laughs) you know, play out. But it's not necessarily quality time. The time that you need as a family to connect or, to you know, hang out or pray or have fun or, you know, do whatever, right? Yeah. Um, Well, I think even in a homeschool environment, you have the same dynamic. All of us want to grow as a family together, and we also want each person to grow as a person. And so you have the dynamic of your calendar, your goals, your objectives, and then our calendar, our goals, our objective. Right. And my wife and I's job is to make sure our stuff is getting done. Right. We are on top of that. And to teach our children how to create their own personal life that will outlive me. You know, when they leave the house, I'll be around, you know. But they will be living their own personal life. And so if I don't teach them how to manage that well, time-wise, values-wise, um, then I've, even if I pulled off our calendar, they, they won't how to know how to do their calendar. Right. And they'll go crazy when they're 19. <laughs> right. They won't know how to manage it. They right. won't know how to manage time or priorities. 
right? Right. Um, they won't know how to set goals and objectives. They won't know the reason that they're doing what they're doing or if they're in school or in a trade or whatever the case. Like, it serves a purpose. All right. Uh, good conversation. It's Paul and Adam talking art of living. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul and Adam in the studio. All right, so you don't mess around too much on Twitter, do you? I think too much would be overstating it. I'm not on Twitter. Okay. Are you on any social media? Facebook? Yeah, I have Facebook. Okay. So I don't, I just stop like sending messages or quotes or whatever. I just horrible at it. Maybe <laughs> okay. it should get better. <laughs> but I do check certain things for news. Yes, it's a good right. news it's source. Yeah. Quick access to news. Some of it's really bad, so I don't. Mm-hmm. I just ignore it. But came across um, this video. I want to know if you've seen it. What did you say? That is so interesting. Are you for real, though? I'm for real. Okay, so for someone who travels, you know, for work and flies a lot, there was this video. Uh, I just thought it was funny, and I was like, you know what? I need to have more fun, right? That's mm-hmm. one of my goals. But anyway, uh, so there's a guy on a plane in a seat, and they're sitting on the tarmac, right? And when you're on a plane, sitting on the tarmac, the window's open, and all the like the the workers down on the runway, you know, loading luggage or directing planes, you know, they're they, you know they got the orange vest or whatever, they're they're down there. You can never talk to them because you can't go out there, right? Like you, you go from the the terminal inside down a jetway into a plane, like they never let you down, right? Right on the tarmac, it's just against the law, right? <laughs> So there's this guy in the plane communicating with a guy down. And do you know how he's communicating? With his hands? Yes, but they're playing a game. Oh. Guess what game? I don't know. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh, nice. No words, right? So he just looks at him through the window, and he's recording this. It's hysterical. The guy <laughs> down, you know, there's jet, he's got headphones on because it's so <laughs> loud down there. And they're just through the window going rock, paper, scissor, and see who wins and they're like going nuts like just (laughs) and it's just hysterical it went viral um and the guy you know on the plane ended up winning like i don't know how many out of how many you know two out of three or whatever but it was like there was no like you didn't have to say hey let's play this or it's like you know they just looked at each other and like you know started making sign language (laughs) and did the rock paper scissor um Thing. So if you could play any game through a window and nobody could hear you, oh my gosh, what would it be? I don't know if I'll ever ask be asked this question again no, in my life. This time. is this is a very right. unique question. Yes, um, I would. It's almost like a charades. Almost it could be. Well, that's a game. I gave it away. Ooh, nice. Sorry. Well, Answer I guess I question. can't do charades now. Maybe not. Um, I would say, gosh, Pictionary. Oh. You like that? Pictionary. Yeah. Draw a picture, you guess what it is. Nice. I don't know how they would guess, though, but... They could draw the word out. Ah. You know, be like, clown. You Dude, know? you were made for this. Like, yeah, you I was made for this game. You got this. Playing games. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, what, what's we, a plane game? We can game come for up you? with plane games. Yeah. This isn't the idea. <laughs> plane games. I think it would be charades. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you need a big window. You need a big window. Charades will be hard to play on radio mm-hmm. or like a podcast. Yeah. Like, watch, do a peacock. I don't, you know, how would you do that on air? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We used to play this old youth group game a long time ago. It was pretty hysterical, but you could never get away with it again. So you, oh. you got a clear piece of plexiglass, mm-hmm. like a big square of it, right? So mm-hmm. you can see through it, right? And then you put an Oreo on each side, stick it. Mm-hmm. You stick the Oreo on each side. You follow mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then two people come up on each side of the glass, and the first one to eat the Oreo wins. But they're eating the Oreo at the same time, the plexiglass, so it looks like their mouths are like touching, <laughs> but they're not. It's really funny. <laughs> but you can never do that again. You get in trouble. No, I don't think you could do that. But I mean, it's still hysterical. It is hysterical. I think I'm going to try that. Yeah. So you could play that game on a plane. Is what I'm saying. You could. Because there's glass, Oreos, see who wins. Man, this could be a a thing for you. You could go all over the country sharing this knowledge of plane games. All right. I love it. That's our have you seen section. (laughs) Wait, wait, from from our conversation earlier in in the first segment, you know, we were talking about being intentional, right? And I love that word intentionality because it, I think it focuses us on the things that are most important. And if you drive this down into the Gospels, this is what Jesus uh, teaches. He teaches how to live intentionally, right? The art of living intentionality um, is is how Jesus didn't wake up and just be like, I have no intention on how I want to live today or how I want to love or serve or teach today. He was intentional about the time he spent with the disciples. He was intentional about who he picked to be his disciples. He is intentional about when he stopped to talk or or heal or teach or, um, you know, like it wasn't, you know, oftentimes it's like Jesus didn't wake up. It was like, I have nothing to do today. You know, let me, let me just, let me scope it out, right? <laughs> and he was intentional about conversations that he had with people particularly the disciples and the way he taught them, um, the moments he taught them, the times that he carved out time with them, um, the times that he got away with them, right? Like those were intentional moments, right? For us in our life in the midst of the busyness, and look, I don't talk to anyone who doesn't say they're not busy. Everybody's like, yeah, I'm busy, right? Mm. And that it's, it's a very subjective term because we're all busy in different ways and no one's more busy than others because it's 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 relative right like mm-hmm. your busyness is different than my busyness but busyness is also a feeling i feel busy you know and i think mm-hmm. the feeling is you know i'm overstretched i'm overwhelmed i have a lot going on and so we say i'm busy right yeah and it's almost like busy is a term that's like cool like you're getting stuff done. You're like if I productive. don't say I'm busy, then people are going to think I'm a nobody. Mm-hmm. Right? Like have you ever tried that on somebody? To say like, they're like, hey, how's it going? Be like, man, I got nothing going on. <laughs> you ever tried it? No. People I mean, look at you like you're crazy. I've done it before. Really? Yeah, I'd be like, man, not, not a whole lot, nothing going on. Just, you know. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and they're already prepared for their answer because I'm like, how are you? And they're like, man, just busy, busy, right? And I know what they're saying because I say the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I think the word busy uh, comes with a lot of emotions, stressed, yeah. worried, anxious, overwhelmed, got a lot going on. My pace is too high. And in the midst of the busyness of our life, which we all can relate to, if we're not intentional in the busyness, then life just gets away from us. And honestly, like that's why when it comes to like May, we're like, I can't wait for summer. Mm-hmm. Right? School will be out and, you know, we can all just relax for a little bit. And then we realize like summer flies by and we're not intentional about summer either. Mm-hmm. Right? We're just less structured. Right? Because kids are home or whatever the case may be. So intentionality is huge. Like, what do you want your pace to be? You need to decide. Like, how do you want to carve out time for yourself, for your spouse, for your kids, for time together? And most importantly, how are you being intentional in your relationship with the Lord? I think this is really important from an evangelization standpoint because, you know, there's a saying in the educational community, you need to teach from rest. Hmm. In other words, like as a teacher, you need to be a restful person because if you're stressed out, if you have that busy feeling all the time, right, you're not going to teach well. Like you have to be a well-rested, um, intentional person as a teacher. I think the same could be said for every evangelizer, every Christian, in other words. Like you, you need to evangelize from rest. Hmm. <laughs> in other words, like if you're, if you're in that rat race and stressed out, you're not going to spread the gospel very effectively. And I remember there's a person in my life who's perfect example of, of doing this well. He's a priest, and he's like, He's got so much on his plate. It makes people. It makes me father of seven, who's you know providing makes you stress. Makes just me, knowing his schedule. Yeah, it makes me feel like I don't have much going on. He's that type of person, <laughs> right? Right. But you never know it when you're talking to him. Hmm. He's calm, cool, collected. He looks at you. He pays attention to you. He's yeah. present to you. And if you need something from him, I don't ever remember a time where he said, "I'm too busy" or I "Have too much going on." Right. And so he's a great example in my mind of like it really is a matter of disciplining yourself to take care of the things intentionally as they need to be taken care of. And the thing is, I know I can go to him when I need Jesus, when I need like someone who can take care of something in a way that's helpful and and be a priest to me. Like he's, he radiates, I can be what you need. Right. But I could tell you plenty of other examples and I've been like this where I'm in their presence and I'm like, if I need something from this person, I can't get it. So, like, just don't worry about it. Hmm. And if we give off that vibe as Christians, then if someone needs Jesus, we're not going to be the source that provides it. Yeah, I remember um, someone telling me one time uh, they were going through something or needed something. I was like, well, why didn't you just ask? And they're like, you just seem too busy. Mm -hmm. And, like, first of all, it's an assumption that they made, but it's also an impression that I was giving. Like, it it goes both ways, Mm -hmm. right? And I remember it just kind of hit me, like, if I am coming across to people, like, I'm so busy that I don't have time to stop, right, and to be present, then I'm not being a good Christian. Like, I'm not, Mm. you know, because, you know, a Christian, like, yeah, is restful enough that carves out space enough in their time and schedule that can stop and give the homeless person a, a dollar or stop and 
open a door or stop and have a conversation with someone who needs something. And I do think like, you know, a lot of times like our heads are down and we're just, we're just blowing and going, right? Yeah. Like we're just like our pace is just out of control. And our, you know, I read this quote, I'm going to find it because someone else was asking me for it. It is when Mother Teresa was asked how she could handle all the work that was going on with her religious order as they were growing, like it was just growing and growing all over the world. And she says, the busier we get, the more that we pray. And mm-hmm. she didn't mean like more as in like we think about praying. Like actually they would pray more. They would take more time to pray because they actually had more to do. And that makes zero sense, right? Mm-hmm in the practical scheme of things. But when we take time to pray and are intentional about allowing God to order our life, priorities begin to, you know, unfold. Time begins to unfold in its right way. Things begin to get taken care of that need to be taken care of. And the things that aren't important become unimportant. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And so I, th- I think in our intentionality, if I know in our intentionality, if we're not making the Lord the Lord of our life and our schedule and our busyness and our pace, then nothing else is ever going to fix the issue. Yeah. And there, there's a, an ability that the Lord has because he's, you know, God. He is that. To fix things we don't even know are wrong. Exactly. Totally. But, but if we don't spend time with him, he can't fix those things. Like, in other words, I don't know everything that's wrong with me. I probably have a laundry list of psychological, mental, spiritual, emotional problems. I'm aware of some, but the vast majority, I, I'm just not aware. Scripture talks about this, right? Like, reveal to me my unknown faults. And the thing is, when we follow the Lord, we don't need to know all the problems and we don't need to be involved in all the solutions because there's something we do know that in the presence of the Lord, we have everything we need. And I think as we consider juggling our family life and our busy schedules and what everyone needs, you know, what I need, what my spouse needs, what my kids need, what my parents need, what all these needs, the Lord knows all the needs better than even if we were experts in every field and had a great relationship with everybody where we knew all the information, we would not understand what people need like he does. Right. So the more time I spend with him and give him permission to be in my life and to affect me and to form my heart, the more he can solve the problems I would have never seen. And he can provide the intention that I lack. Yeah, and I, and I agree. Like, we don't always know how God works or what he's doing in our life. We can't always see it, you know, the fruits. You ever had a light come on your dash or your car? You're like, what is that, right? Yeah, and you have to look it up. <laughs> you have to look it up or you go in. And there's some lights that are serious, like the the car is about to explode, right? <laughs> there's there's a light some for that. lights that, you know, like I went in one time and they plugged in the little thing and like, oh, your gas cap is, mm-hmm. is, is not tight enough. It's like, really? Like this light <laughs> came on because of that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember like just one time a light came on and, and then, uh, you know, I kind of did some things. I put some air in the tires. I screwed the gas cap on. And the light just went off. Mm-hmm. Like there was no issue, right? Like I don't know what was wrong. I mm-hmm. still don't know. Mm-hmm. I just know it went away, mm-hmm. right? I know like somehow it was fixed. And there's so many things in our life when 
We make God the priority and we carve out time to just let the Lord prioritize our life in prayer that there's so many of those things in our lives that, that just get fixed and we don't even know. They get put right in order uh, and the light goes off, right? And you're like, oh, okay, like, okay, I'm good. All right, let's go. Yeah, and I think speaking of a family and balancing life and being intentional, you know, the, the Lord would call people to prayer in community and then invite people to pray, to be with him, you know, like come and rest for a while, you know? I think, at least in my experience, the family prayer we do daily, morning and evening, has been a great source of providing for the family, for the kids, the presence of Christ Mm -hmm. in a way that I don't, like it's not my idea. You know, it's just like Jesus is present and he can do what he wants with our family in that time and affect our kids' days and whatever. But I need some time myself for the idea of resting with the Lord, like come away for a while, Mm -hmm. you know? And so for me, that time used to be filled with a lot of, you know, considering the faith, you know, Lord, what does it mean that you love me, that you died on the cross? Like right now, just in the season of my life, it's mostly a a time of just resting, Mm -hmm. being with him, getting some direction, some clarity, but just giving my spirit a certain calmness that I definitely need. You definitely um, need it. And so if, if you're if you're doing a lot of things, if if life is busy, um, and I think this is what Mother Teresa was getting at, you need more rest with the Lord. Not just, you know, playing a phone game or watching Netflix or um, you know, going hunting. Like those are certain types of rests. But going away with Jesus to rest for a while does more that you don't even realize. It restores us in ways we don't even know we need to be restored. Um, and so, yeah, I think being intentional about letting yourself be with Jesus in that resting moment is so important, especially if you're a very busy person. No, absolutely. And when we're ordered personally, we bring order and intentionality to our vocation, right? To our family and to our work. Like there's a different, it's about us, right? And I would my advice to people with like younger kids and younger families is set expectations and intentionality now, like have dinner together, pray together, have, you know, whatever meals to get, like don't overwork your pace to where like there's practices every night and Mm -hmm. there's games like, like say no to some things so you can, you know, what would your life look like if you don't teach your family how to have dinner together and they grow up and they don't know how to do that with their family. Right. Like what, what, what happens? Right. So teach them those things now because when they do get older and they're, you know, teenagers and they're driving or in college and you say, hey, I know we're all busy and I know like you guys all have like your schedules and you're working now or you got games like on this night, we're all having dinner and it just automatically they know what to do. Mm -hmm. Right. That's not a foreign concept. They're like, wait, what? (laughs) Right. Like, you love me? You've never said that, right? Like, it's mm. not like it's, it's just, it just comes natural to saying, oh, I know we all need to pause and stop and be together, right? So when you just begin to do those things intentionally and naturally, when your kids get older, they, they understand why you're doing it. Maybe they may not be able to verbalize it, but they just know oh, this is important, and we know how to do that, right? Mm -hmm. All right, so it's Paul and Adam uh, talking art of living. We'll be right back. 
The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George, Adam Clonk, AC. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any nicknames? Not anymore. Did you have any growing up or like in bit. high school? A little bit. Yeah. Were you like the church guy? Conquistador. Conquistador. <laughs> Concubine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's about it. You? Oh, I had all sorts of nicknames. Like Scooter or something? Scooter was never one. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your secret nickname for yourself? No. Scooter? I trying to think of a cool one. Um... Yeah, no, I just had all sorts of them. Okay. PG, rated PG, PG-13. Uh, yeah. I call you uh, P-Jitty sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, P-Jitty. Um, also, yeah. So nothing like demeaning. That's good. No, nothing demeaning. That's good. It's probably great for your self-esteem. Yeah, so anyway, speaking of self-esteem, why don't we shred a six-pack of questions? <laughs> Question. Shred it, huh? Shred it. <laughs> like I feel like shredding a taco right now. <laughs> so our topic for today is intentionality, especially in your family as you consider your, you know, we're all getting back to school and busyness is picking up. And so the first question, sir, is you mentioned having goals and objectives like in the family. So can you describe kind of a process in general if, if families want to, you know, in that last week before school do that? get some idea of some clarity on goals for their family and their life. I would just suggest they go about that. What's like a process that would work? I would just say, keep it simple, you know, because I think for kids, even no matter what age, um, yeah, they're just not thinking in that direction or they just, you know, I don't want to do that. Or, you know, usually when they get older, they're like, I don't want to do that, but then they know the importance of it. So keep it simple. So like, Hey, what's one goal in, each of these three areas that you want to set the school year, you know, and just let them think about it and have it write it down and give you the paper and then, you know, put it in a place that they can, they can track it, right? How are you doing on that goal? So maybe the goal is, you know, to make honor roll like, or whatever. So what are you going to do within that goal to make honor roll? Well, remember you got to study, right? Mm -hmm. You got to, you got to go to class, maybe, maybe sit up front. So do some practical things. So you can hold each other accountable to those goals just in a very pastoral and good way. But keep it simple. But I would say, what are, what are the areas that you want to set goals of growth? So I will always just kind of say, you know, what are, you know, spiritual area? What is a maybe a family area? What is a work area? And what is maybe a social area, like with activities or friends, you know? And then, yeah, let them do that. Love it. All right, question number two. So there's some of us listening this morning, Paul George. Some of us. Where we think, I don't even have the time to even think about this. <laughs> like you just talked about setting goals with my kids. I can't even set goals for my afternoon. Mm -hmm. You know, like 
I just don't think I'm the type of person who can be intentional. Right. What would you say to that person? I would say that, at least in my experience, the majority of people are already thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Like you're driving or you're so you're constantly thinking about your life and the pace of your life and what you need to do and not do. Like it's already on your mind. Like that's the thing. So it's not like you got to like dig deep and be like, man, what's my goal? <laughs> like it's really at the tip of your tongue. Like my goal is not to be this busy and maybe, you know, this is what I can do about it. Right. Like you're already thinking about it. So what I would say is like, just stop and get a latte, take 10 (laughs) minutes and, and like, just write it down. Like, that's it. Like, don't make it complicated. But I would say like for someone who's saying they're not intentional or they don't have that type of aptitude, I would just say it's just because you've probably refused to just stop and write down what you're already thinking. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not like some people are better at it than others. It's just that we just need to make it something that we do. Yeah. All right. Question number three. So if we're the type of person we're talking about earlier, where we just feel busy all the time and we don't like that, like we want to have more of a, um, an emotional experience of like stability. Like Mm -hmm. we feel like things are just out of control Sure. and that's how we feel every day. What's a good step forward in the direction of just kind of the emotional side of this? Um, getting, getting a sense of more calm and stability. So, I mean, emotions are emotions. They're not right or wrong. Feelings are feelings. They're neither right or wrong. They are what they are. Maybe you feel overwhelmed. You feel like things are out of control. So what I'll say a lot of times in my own life or other people is if emotions are driving you right now, then try to step out of emotion and make the decision more practically, like with your intellectually, like with your mind, like what makes sense, right? Uh, or with your gut, like what's the, what's the, what's it telling me to do and not to do, Like right? So if emotions driving me, like I'm over, really overwhelmed. So like try to step out of the emotion and, and allow your intellect to like drive you during those moments, right? Because sometimes our emotions can just like be too much, right? Mm-hmm. The other thing is what I would do during those times, in particularly where emotions are really high, is talk to someone who is outside of the emotion. Um, spiritual director, a friend, someone who's who's just wise, who can say, you know what, I don't feel those feelings because I'm not you. Here's what I practically see going mm-hmm. on. And, and they may say things like, it's not as bad as you th- feel. You're like, really? Yeah, talk to me about that. So they're able to give you a different perspective or maybe the reality. They may be able to give you the reality of the situation that's not based on emotion. Hmm. So the reality is you're going to be fine. The reality is things aren't out of control. Even though you feel that way, here's the reality that I see. And it's like, oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, question number three, subsection B, then. (laughs) Um, This distinction between coming to terms with how things really are and this sense that like we feel we need to be understood by someone because like for example in that situation if you tell me the situation is not as bad as it seems I'm either open to that or I'm like well you just don't understand you just don't understand me you know Mm -hmm. and so this kind of sense of like feeling I need to be validated in how crazy things are just tell me I'm busy and that it's horrible and we'll move on I can be stuck in that for a long time, right? right? Well, there's there's empathy, which is the ability to 
relate to how someone's feeling. Sympathy is just like acknowledging someone's feelings. So you're sad. It's like, oh, I can see you're sad. I'm going to get a taco, right? That's sympathy. <laughs> empathy, empathy is, oh, you feel sad. You know what? I've, I've felt sad too before. Mm-hmm. That's empathy. To be able to relate the emotion together, right? But although I don't feel your same sadness, I know what sadness feels like. So, but I can also say, you know, what? I know what it's like to feel sad. Uh, but here's how I see your situation right now. It's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Like it's not as bad as you think. So empathy allows us to relate, but if we're, it also allows us, um, the right to be heard. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Great. All right. Question number four. Faux. Um, so for a lot of us, just getting that routine, that rhythm down is a challenge. And usually it's dictated by the demands, right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, practice is at a certain time every day. So Mm -hmm. that, that demands that. So how do you how do you become more intentional in your actual schedule and rhythm, um, setting up when things actually happen in your life? Well, some of those things like we talked about are dictated for us. Some of those things we just do too much. We say yes to too many things. We honestly have too many things on our plate. Uh, our kids are in too many activities. We're in too many social things. And I think only the only answer to your question is that we have to learn to say no to things. We do. Like, we have to learn that if our kids aren't in everything, they're still going to be fine. Actually, they'll probably be better off, right? And if we're not in everything, uh, we'll be better off. So to be able to dictate a little bit of balance within your family so that you can have those times. You know, here's the thing. If you're looking at one week a year or two weeks a year that you take vacation and that's your only time that you're going to absorb as a family, you've already lost. Mm -hmm. Because your kids aren't even going to know how to act during that time. They're like, wait, my parents love me? Wait, they want to spend time with me? Wait, we sit down for dinner? No. None of that makes sense because you're not doing it throughout the year. Vacation doesn't solve that issue, right? Mm -hmm. So we really need some type of rhythm where we can be together, be family and have, you know, a little bit. So we have the ability to dictate some of that, to say no to some things and to carve out those, those times. So that's where it becomes our responsibility. All right. Question number five, I'm gonna go a little, uh, uh, pressing on some of our listeners. So, you know, a lot of us have difficulties in our marriage and our relationship, you know, and, it's hard because of that to do things together that are important and make decisions together, right? So I want you to speak to that couple that's listening to this or that spouse that's listening to this, and yes, and they say, yeah, I want that for my family. I want more intentionality. But the idea of talking to my spouse about this and having a productive conversation just seems so frightening to me. Sure. Talk to that couple. Well, if intentionality is a frightening conversation, then I would probably say there's other conversations that are frightening. Like, so there's maybe not real good emotional unity and communication happening, right? Mm -hmm. But to answer your question, how to approach this specifically is I would say that your spouse is probably thinking and feeling the same thing, right? So a good entry point is is to just not 
not accuse. I think we, we can kind of get in our corners when we come into a conversation with accusations. Like, you know, if you would just work less, our, our life would have more balance. Or if you just did this differently. So that's automatically pushing someone in the corner. And what's going to happen? They're going to get defensive, mm-hmm. right? Well, I'm working because I got to support all these projects and activities. Conversation's over. You've both lost already. Mm-hmm. Instead of approaching the conversation of, you know what? We're in this together. We're doing our best. We want the same thing, right? I know we want a better pace and better balance. So a better entry point to that conversation is to say, what do you think? What do you think we could do, right? Mm-hmm. That's a different entry point. It's like, man, you know what I think? I think that, uh, man, if maybe if I could just like work less, and you're already thinking it, mm-hmm. but they said it, right? Or I'm thinking, man, if we could, if our kids weren't in so many activities. So that's the different approach to the conversation is you both want the same things, just come about it in a way that's um, positive, right? It's it's promoting unity in the conversation of how can, how can we approach this? What, what do you think, you know, and get each other's insights and input. And I guarantee you'll probably land on the same page at some point. I love it. Man, I'm enjoying these so much. I'm sad it's question number six. It is number six. But here we are. All right, so a top do and don't for this situation. Let's say I haven't even thought about what I want. I don't even know what values are important to me. Like, I like my faith. I like Jesus. I go to Mass. But I don't even think about this stuff. This is all foreign territory mm-hmm. to me. But it sounds good. I'd like to step step in that direction. So st- top do for that person who wants to become more intentional and is like, mm-hmm. it's it's an alien world for them. Top do and top don't. Yeah, what I do a lot of times with uh, even companies or heads of bosses and companies is I'll ask them, like, what are your values that drive your decisions for your organization or your company? Like, wh- wh- what do you mean? Like, we have... You know, we, we, we do good work. I'm like, yes, but what are the values that drive that? Like, I don't know. I was like, yes, you already know your values. Take five minutes, and I want you to write down uh, what, are the, what are the things that you believe in the most that are important to you, right? And they just write it down. Like, you know your values already. So just sit down. The top dude is like, just write down your values. I guarantee you, like, you'll just sit down and write down the things that are most important to you, you your faith, your family, time. Um, joy, love. I, I don't know what they are, but I guarantee you, like, you'll, they'll just come naturally. So write five to seven, like, values that are just important to you. Hard work, discipline, you know, they, they just come out, right? Mm-hmm. And then for, for the guy in the company, he's like, see, they're already there. Now, how can we be intentional about those values being integrated and threaded throughout your organization and your people, right? The same thing is with our family. So time is one of my values. Like, so I'm going to try really hard to just make that a priority right so and i have other values you know um but so the top do would would be just let it just come naturally you already have them they're already in you and then and then the top don't would be just stop pushing it aside pretending like you're not smart enough to have values like they're already there like <laughs> we all have them so go grab your latte sit down <laughs> for five minutes and your values will just come to fruition great so anyway all right that's six pack it's a good show man 
Um, thanks everyone for listening. Share the show. Uh, be a part of it and uh, pray for us. We have a marriage conference teaching the art of marriage coming up this weekend, and so keep track of all those things. Thanks, Adam, for everything and uh, all our sponsors, KLFT Radio. And we'll be back next week. God bless.